Hey gang, welcome to episode 200, that's right, episode 200, my goodness, of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. Uh, this is a special episode of the show. Because it is episode 200, we're getting the senior editorial staff together, that would be Catherine and and Anthony and Jessica and Kevin to just just hang out to talk about what's up, uh, what we've been what we've been seeing, what we've been thinking. Just uh, we're just gonna chill this episode because um, this is our time. It's our time now. Two hundred episodes. Once in a while, we get to do this. Actually, we're gonna do this maybe on a more regular basis. Trying to figure that out. Um, more on that in a bit. This There's about an hour and 20 minutes in here, so you know what? We're just going to kind of get into it this time. Uh, we'll do all the, the big Patreon thanks, um, you know, the, the, the brand new folks. We'll do that next week. Um, mostly because also, on, sometimes on these episodes, I don't like to like, you know, <clears throat> I feel like it maybe gets lost in the shuffle or something. And also, I'm kind of racing to pack for New Orleans because Overlook uh, starts on Thursday, and um, I gotta get out of here soon. Uh, so, um, although of course I'm saying like Overlook starts on Thursday, you're like, but Noah, it's Friday when this is coming out. Yeah, I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so that's how wacky the week is. Uh, of course, long ago. Uh, hopefully, you'll get a, an irregular, uh, and we're gonna have some fun in Nolens uh, soon enough. <coughs> mm, oh. Yeah, and also I'm fighting a cold. So let's do this part because it's absolutely essential. Patreon.com slash no is how you back the show. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Herstand, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. Thank you all. And yeah, you should know one or two things about the recording. We did this on Discord. We're experimenting for the first time. So uh, there's like one bit where it kind of glitches when Catherine is talking. And uh, there are certain parts where like everyone had their, their mics open. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, we're winging it. We're just going to do it live. This is episode 200 of the No Persinium podcast. And joining us today uh, on our newly minted secret Discord server is we're going to go from the bottom of the list this time. So uh, if you know where you are <laughs> in the order. So, Kevin, say hi. Hey, it's Kevin. Catherine, say hi. Hello, coming at you from New York City. Jessica. Hi, it's Jessica in Portland. Anthony. Hey, this is Anthony here in Long Beach. And Kevin, Kevin, where are you coming from today, by the way? I'm live from Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills. All right. So a lot of West Coast, some East Coast. We're recording this on Sunday, May 19th. Uh, so there'll be like one more episode of the podcast before this airs. And, um, you know, once in a while we get the team together to just chat and uh, maybe we'll start doing that on a little more regular basis. It's one of the reasons why we're experimenting with Discord today. And 
yeah, um, I kind of wanted to kind of see what everyone's been seeing, what the temperature is out there. And maybe we can actually start with something that was on uh, the site this week. And maybe maybe I should have done this part as like part of the plan. Like, hey, everybody, here's what I think we're going to talk about, as opposed to like blathering for a few minutes about Discord. But uh, Anthony and Kevin, um, so Anthony, you put up, I think, the most recent review on the site. And Kevin, you also saw the show. So you guys just uh, you just went to Capit- yeah, Captivated You together. Um, yes. Maybe you could... Tell us, tell us what's up with that. Is the third part of a series? Give a breakdown. Um, well, uh, pretty much it is uh, Captivated, which has been one of my uh, long-running uh, favorite things going on here in Los Angeles for a while. Uh, started about a year ago. It's kind of a new and neat retelling uh, of um, Frankenstein, um, done as kind of almost a parlor LARP. And uh, this was the final chapter. Okay, what do you mean by parlor LARP? Well, um, for those of you guys old school LARPers, uh, if you did uh, the early Mind's Eye Theater stuff, um, if you did, if you ever played Baron, uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen, that that game, um, pretty much uh, the LARPs where you sat around your parlor and you talked more than you did, uh, you know, action. So uh, it's not not Boffer and it's not uh, Nordic LARP, but it's very somewhere in between. Um, so there's you know rule sets that, that that work, and you kind of uh, hang around in the living room and you play it. Um, so that's kind of kind of uh, the feel it was for me, and um, it, it uh, it's kind of like LARP comfort food. Um, so that's that's what we saw as the last chapter uh, of this uh, this ongoing game that they've had. And Kevin, you've been tracking this as well. No, this is actually my my first experience with the captivated shows and. And I'm not as heavy into LARP as Anthony is either, so it's kind of the, it was a new experience for me. Oh, interesting. In yeah, interesting. So, what what was it like to like jump into? Did did it feel like they like onboarded you in like a, a clear, clean way to, since you were like jumping into the third chapter, or did you get like super lost? Kevin. Uh-oh, did I lose everybody? Uh-oh, uh-oh, no, I'm still here. Okay. Kevin, did I lose you? Jessica, do I have you? Hi. Catherine, do I have you? I am still here. Oh, just Kevin. Kevin, something's wrong on your end, I think. Did you... Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, he's gone. Oh, he dropped out. Oh, no. Now he's in general. Oh, you he ask someone gone. a question, they run away. <laughs> Kevin, you're back. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, Kevin. How was your trip? No, but seriously... It's going to be like this. All right, we'll put a marker in here and like I'll have to edit this. Let me make a note. Where are we in the recording? We're about four yeah. minutes in. Recording off of a cell phone can be kind of weird, but... Yeah. All right. Oh, Kevin, try. Kevin, do we have you? Nope, we're losing him. Right. Oh. I'm on desktop. Jessica, okay. you're on desktop. Yeah. You're on a phone, though. You're okay? Yeah, I'm on a phone. I'm fine. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you know what? He might be the only non-Apple user. Oh, that might. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm on a Windows desktop. Oh, there you are. Hey. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Cool. All right. I made a note of where of where it was in the okay. thing, so that's cool. Um. So, um. Yeah. So the question the question to you is, you know, do you, did you, do you feel like they onboarded you, like give give you a way to like jump in? Yeah. So they had actually a really strong onboarding process where they had one of the characters come in and kind of run through 
where the show had been up to that point. And I was like, she was a hacker, so she had a phone. She was like showing her surveillance pictures of, of the different characters. That actually worked to acclimate into the into the world pretty quickly, which was very helpful for someone who hadn't been to any of the shows. Did did it feel like? I mean, like I don't want to I don't want to like overly analyze like one shows like like take on doing this but like because there's a there's a lot of shows that are sort of facing this when they're serialized i know that you know speakeasy society's got the chapter 10 of chapter 10 this was chapter three chapter chapter 10 of um of the kansas collection uh which i'm going to a test of tomorrow night so by the time this airs when this airs i think the show all be already be running, but I'm going to a, a, a test and I mean, they've got, a, they've built an entire half hour track for newbies this time out to try and make it a self-contained show. Um, and, and cause this, this serial thing, I mean it, you know, previously on works to a degree like on television, but did you, did you wind up feeling sort of connected to that hacker character or did it feel like you were getting a plot dump? It was kind of probably more of a plot dump. Um, it was helpful to like kind of acclimate, but I don't know how like it kind of did feel kind of disconnected from the show as a whole a little bit. Um, and then just kind of the way the rest of the show floated, some of that was helpful and some of it wasn't. And the way they kind of split you up meant that you saw certain things. So if you didn't get the full download, because it was like a partial download. So if you got like a piece of it, it was kind of like, okay, I vaguely know these characters but i don't know any of the like the backstory that's led them to this point so it was certainly helpful but it wasn't yeah it was kind of like didn't connect me into the story in a strong way which is maybe a weakness of it but i get it's like jumping in at the third chapter is it's always gonna be a challenge yeah there's this question in my mind about the sort of the balance between drama and lore as just sort of a, a general issue it feels like we're facing these days. Because, um, you know, some folks really like their plot. Some people, I don't know, I'm almost like seeing it as like watching the reaction to where season eight of Game of Thrones is gone. Yeah. And like... That's good. Yeah, like yeah, the, good comparison. Yeah, because like the plot, I mean, I think, I think we all, I think everyone probably knows that like, yeah, this is almost certainly what the plot of the books is, but it doesn't, for some of us, it doesn't feel like this is what the way the story was really going to go. And this sort of there was this great thread about uh, plotters versus pantsers and that, you know, George R. R. Martin is kind of the ultimate pantser to the point where, you know, Danny got stuck in Marine forever because he just could not figure out how to motivate her to leave the city when she had conquered it. Um, whereas uh, Benoff and Weiss seem to be definitively plotters and plotters who are working backwards from an ending and trying to figure out how to slot everything. And this clash, there's a great uh, Twitter thread on it. This clash between those two styles is really prevalent in the show. And I just keep on thinking about with immersive, like the qualitative nature of, um, you know, the character work and the interaction seems to be, predominant to me um catherine you you get to see a lot of and participate in a lot of larpy uh related stuff in new york city what's sort of your take on this so um so to steal from two people right so looking at that top down heavily authored super structured not a lot of room for wiggle room or improvisational style that's maybe more in the traditional theater sense 
Um, Kent Bai talks a lot about, you know, the top-down author, um, authored point of view versus something that's more emergent and bottom-up. And that, to me, also kind of goes along the lines of, I think it was on the Scientific American blog, um, tech writer Zainab Tufekci kind of had a very similar conclusion to that Twitter thread around a psychological individualized drama where the point that the writers and directors are trying to make comes through a single character, and then you get bound to that character's perspective and point of view, and you can't necessarily kill them off at will, versus a more sociological story, which talks about needs and incentives and kind of those external forces. And like, this is how a character would behave in a society that believes in XYZ and values XYZ and doesn't value ABC. And I think I've come to the point in being so busy and in my life that I want to like LARPs more, but I really appreciate a top-down, authored, well-written story. Um, I know that I recently interviewed Lance Weiler, and he's all about, like, how can we break the three-act structure? Why does it always need to have a beginning, middle, and end? And in the immersive form, I know we've talked about this previously, you kind of need some tent poles, you kind of need some scaffolding, some hooks. That's why we always go back to Alice in Wonderland and Shakespeare and Peter Pan and some of the LARPs that we see out here. Um, I just, I don't know. You didn't tie up enough loose ends. You didn't really resolve things or maybe the energy was really flat and I didn't feel like there was a crescendo or a climax or just your ending sucked. So there's a lot of like opposing forces here and I'm not really sure what the right answer is. Maybe there is no right answer. It really depends what you're trying to do. But if we want to make this work more accessible, I don't know if we can necessarily start going to that emergent style of play immediately. I think that's something that maybe people need to work up to. That was really long. I'm sorry. <laughs> no apologies necessary. It was, it was, it was chunky. Um, Jessica, you got, you got to, you got to take care yeah, um, I mean, I completely agree with what Catherine's saying. I think that, you know, emergent style of play in general is kind of something people have to build up to. Um, I mean, even like taking a step back, linking like video games, right? Like you have to learn the ropes before you're kind of completely thrown into uh, an open world thing. MMOs do this all the time, right? You're sort of constrained and you're slowly picking things up. And then once you get to a certain point, it's all open and free and the game is what you make it kind of thing. I think though that there is um, space for creators, for, for directors, authors, everybody to sort of put a little more trust into their audience and sort of understand that, you know, not everything needs to be directed in such a way. It, it's, it's it finding that butter zone between, um, being told what to do and then finding out what to do for yourself is sort of, I feel like one of the cornerstones of immersive experiences in general, right? Like you feel like you have agency, but maybe you don't. And then sort of finding that nice little gray area and putting your show right there is cornerstone of making these things. Yeah. There's, there's something to this, this sort of need I keep on seeing of like, giving people a sense of what the actual interface design is like, you know, yeah. orienting people, like what are my powers in this world and, and letting people then start to play with it. Cause I was thinking about 
this made me think about, you know, uh, having just played Vader Immortal and or experienced it, depending on how you want to see it, because it's got a little bit of escape roomy stuff, kind of not really. It's not like robust puzzle solving. And it's got some action sequences and it's got traversal. And like um, one of the funny things about it is you as a Star Wars nerd, you instantly find yourself wanting to go full role play. Like you want to have almost at least a math. I wanted to have a Mass Effect 2 style experience at the minimum, like Mass Effect Effect 2 on the Connect, where I could at least like voice my subtext and then have my character talk. But you're the silence silent protagonist. Like the the equipment, the the, the hardware you know, can't pick up on your voice commands to then go do stuff and drive the dialogue. So instead you're kind of taking a step backwards to maybe, you know, half-life era where Gordon Freeman just like never says anything. And that's, that's fine. But the funny thing is, is that the world, even though it's not photoristic, photorealistically rendered, the world, which feels like uh, a, an amazingly up dark forces world, uh, you know, I'm familiar with Star Wars. I'm familiar with Dark Forces. I really know where I am sort of in the multiverse at that moment. And it just makes you want to behave naturally and as a fully functional human. And you kind of run up against the limits of the technology and then have to learn how to start playing the limits of the technology. And that's that's fine. It's like you don't sit down to a Monopoly board and start shoving real money unless you're a billionaire on the table and start being like this Watch is how railroad yeah like this is how we're gonna play right like we're playing right. for real stakes here everybody and like it's the money it's not the what you got from the bank it's what you brought to the table right you you're know? going to actual jail right exactly right. you know fully immersive uh monopoly coming in 2020 um but you but but you don't you don't just start playing reality you play the game you play the interface you use uh-huh. the tools that are given to you and in in immersive, it's often because of that that buttery area you're talking that gray zone. You're you're sort of inviting people to act as a full human, and then quickly limiting them, right? And I almost wonder if like the oh just run up against the invisible wall style of play that people sometimes do is just too frustrating. Well, if well, like sorry, were you going to say something, Jessica? Oh no, go ahead. Um, I'm just going to talk about um, secrets in a little bit. Well, uh, kind of, this has been a, I think, a thing for me, and it's a, a discussion I've had over and over again with other people. Onboarding gets really weird when you get into immersive, largely because um, you don't get to play. Because people, the way people design these shows, they're just, they're thinking about the throughput. They're thinking about how many shows can I get through in a night? How many can I put my actors through without you know them losing their uh, their character? So when folks are designing these shows are designing them to be like these one hour blocks, these hour and a half blocks. And they're not designing in playtime, if that makes any sense. Um, I mean, like when we did the void, um, the first time I did the void and I know Catherine, you guys did it. You get a couple of minutes to play like uh, with, at least with age of empire, uh, not age of empire, sorry with them. Um, Secrets well, of the no, Empire. No. And you you and my husband had extra time to play because my <laughs> headset was malfunctioning. Yeah. Y'all were high-fiving each other over and over VR <laughs> while I was three feet sunk into the ground. <laughs> true, true. Uh, but, but I mean, like, even that, even that, the, that, that moment you have before the doors open, like, even, even if you don't get, you know, weird Catherine underground stormtrooper, um, 
you have like you know 30 seconds before the doors open to kind of get a moment to see what the vr is like you get a chance to like look at your hands and look and you know see that you have no feet but you can see your hands um and for a lot of immersives especially the larpy more larpy you know end of, of immersive um like theatrical arms let's you know just call it that theatrical arms um like we say, like you don't get a chance to figure out the rules. I mean, like even if you have really great onboarding and they've given you the story ahead of time and you've done all that stuff, you know, there's one thing to come into it cold. Um, if you are an experienced LARPer or if you're experienced with that kind of interactive theater, but you know, I look at people like my wife who comes to stuff with and she takes a minute to get into it. You know, she'll take a little bit to get into that. So like, if you want to have an audience that's going to, going to react and to speak up and to actually, you know, play the roles that you put them in, whatever that role is, you have to give them a minute to like figure out where the walls are. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, if you just come in at running full tilt and you hit a wall, it's like, well, you're going to stop and, you know, wait until somebody tells you where, you know, where the proscenium is. And that's the problem is we, we, we don't want to actually have a proscenium thing. We want it to be, you know, you want to be in the world. So yeah. Jessica had but a point think- about secret cinema. Yeah. Yeah. So I did the Blade Runner experience a couple of years back. And um, I mean, you want to talk about a company that knows how to do onboarding and knows how to get people in the character properly. It's secret cinema. It's um, the things that they're doing um, are very much in line with what traditional LARPs and Nordic LARPs and uh, things like that do uh, on this side of uh, the ocean and all that stuff. They give you a character. They give you a backstory. They give you motivations, and then they tell you to bring some things, and that's related to your character. So going into there, you are kind of primed, but nothing really gets you ready for the world you're about to enter. Because speaking personally, like all I was doing the whole night was trying to figure out, like, okay, what is the point where, um, you know, things are going to break? What what am I not allowed to do? And in a lot of ways, I was kind of allowed to do anything I wanted. And, you know, I couldn't really mess too much with the main storyline they were going with. And I could sort of see that, but that was really only the border I found. And I mean, it's hard to talk about Secret Cinema because they are sort of this polar end of having all this production time and budget and value and having the space to do something like that. Uh, versus trying to do something like this in a theater or a warehouse or other thing like that. So, well, yeah, I, wonder, I mean, I wonder like how much did having like a clear mode, like what was the mode that you said they give you a motivation. And I've been thinking about this lately, particularly with this kind of stuff. And then Kevin, I want to kind of get your kind of roll back in, into you and get your take because you haven't done a lot of these things. Like you're the non LARPer in the bunch, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, did having, how clear was that motivation and how much of the time did you sort of feel like when you couldn't, you know, move the main storyline, did it feel like it was just like, you know, you bounced off of someone's plot armor or you, you bounced off of someone's motivation? Mm, I think it was less about bouncing off of plot armor and things like that and more, uh, well, okay, I'll go back to the other point. Uh, so the motivation did help a lot. Um, it, it sort of gave me an idea of what this character is and gave me an idea of what I should be doing. Basically it sort of gave me a hint uh, hints towards like here's where your character path can go but you can do whatever the hell you want um and you know you can interact with the main characters in these big scenes and they actually do react to things like you're doing like a friend of mine was 
in the same role, more or less, that I was. And she basically got taken away by one of the main characters during this big climactic scene where the crowd is turning against one of the cops and she put herself between the crowd and the cops and it became a whole thing and they reacted to that like perfectly within character and all that stuff so yeah i don't know i feel like i'm rambling but it it, it does help that motivation and sort of finding the plot armor doesn't disrupt the experience it they, they kind of have kind of good ways of uh improving to make it feel like it's organic i guess yeah I mean, I keep on thinking like about if if it's character based, like if if your characters have strong motivations and clear intent, right? I mean, that's sort of one of the ways to run a plot is by embedding it so deeply in the character that you know it comes down to their choices. Uh, and if you if you set up conflicting you know motivations for a character, that's how you wind up with drama, and that's when things sort of if if something tilts it sort of feels like, oh my God, you know, they chose this over that, as opposed to sort of feeling like, oh, you know, this was inevitable. Like, I think going back to the Game of Thrones example, I think what people are are, are, are responding to, but kind of aren't, aren't articulating so much online is, you know, yeah, every, everything they set up for uh, Daenerys, uh, you know, it, it follows like you can you can go back through and say, oh, this totally follows every everything. Th- there's all the evidence you need here. The execution doesn't feel terribly dramatic because the stakes, this the, it didn't feel like there was a clear it didn't feel like there was a clear motivated choice or that she was sacrificing anything to to make the choice she did. And some of that's the fact that her chemistry with Kit Harrington is not non-existent right you know and a little bit of like what are you gonna do like those two they have no spark um so there's there's nothing to kind of drag you along dramatically and yet i i feel like particularly i mean your your point about like the production values of of secret cinema it's funny to me like yeah they've got scale and film set level and they do stuff that's sort of mind-breaking and they're always riffing on an existing ip and that kind of helps fill in the gaps but it does seem they pay attention to the basics of character and motivation and that's the thing that kind of lets you paper over the um the gaps in in whatever production value issues might be going on mm-hmm. kevin this is not your world. <laughs> like, yeah. so like, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your feeling about like all this stuff? And like, I mean, how much, how much do you like to have, you know, a clear idea of your role in the world? So I think, it, I mean, I think it kind of gets into like the fundamental, like kind of push pull of immersive theater in general, where it's kind of like you want a story, but you want some kind of interaction. And sometimes that like, that varies on like a spectrum between like high interactivity or low interactivity, especially in like kind of LA. I feel like we've got a lot of kind of options in terms of we have things like captivated where you can kind of like, they are on the larpier end. You have things like in another room where it's, it's a straightforward story where you can't affect it you can interact a little bit, but you're most having something told you. And I think it's so much of it is trying to find kind of that line where it's like, where do you get a complete story or where do you get a fun experience? And at some point, when does, when do you want that fun experience to turn into an actual story or are you just going to kind of like hang out and kind of, I guess, LARP for a little while. Um, and I think that even sometimes it's just like finding the rules between the shows in terms of those kind of like that level of interaction. It's hard to gauge, um, again, like going back to captivated in another room, 
one is like clearly it doesn't want you interacting and one they do but even in the one where they do want you interacting i think anthony pointed out his piece it's like some of it's not clear it's like things have to play out and you don't know how much you can affect them um and that's just one of those kind of i think challenges in immersive theater for both audiences and creators is kind of where where do you find that where do you kind of balance those two levels of kind of interaction and story yeah like anthony you got into calling some things you know felt like cut scenes right yeah and like you didn't know or you didn't feel necessarily comfortable in in inserting yourself even though you also felt you had the agency to do so yeah i mean and, and that's like just going back to exactly what kevin's moments in that where um like you're like do i do i jump in because there's this i mean i used to run up this with what i did uh some of the really better buffer uh buffer larps that i did because we had the high uh we had high uh suspension of disbelief we had great production values and there'd be moments where like you'd be like so do i pull out a sword now or does that break the story and for a piece like captivated it's very much it's like i don't want to break the story because like this is clearly a big thing that they've they've done and you know, knowing that they have, I mean, there are very things they've touted that they have like 40 endings. Knowing that they have all these different endings is like, is this an ending or is this something that I can affect? You kind of want to sit back a little bit and see the show. But, you know, me as a, as a, as a person, as a player who's, you know, playing close to the skin, uh, close to the bone, it's like you want to jump in and be like, no, don't, you know, don't grab that person and don't, you know, destroy that thing or don't, you know, blow this up. And there's, so many little moments like that in that show that it becomes uh it becomes a thing where you don't want to make a move because you you're so scared you're going to break it um i mean uh i'll take it back to um uh one of the early sh- one of the pre-podcast shows um uh at an appointed time yep get old, yep. get old. Uh, so you saw that one and i saw it too uh at an appointed time that there's this it's an interactive show that was basically a retelling of 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 how the minotaur got in the maze right and there are moments in that show which are very set piecey and that's i guess what it boils down to is there's these big set pieces and you know you kind of feel that you can interact with them and, and and change them but at the same time like you know if i do it do i break the do i break the spell do i break the story and I know, like, for you guys, like, at the end of that, like, you said, like, they had to tell you guys to leave, right, at some point? <laughs> I remember not. Oh, in, uh-huh. um, for, at an appointed time? Yeah. I mean, well, no, not, not, I mean, not in the sense that we were trying to interact past what was given to us to interact, because that show ended with you, you were in a loft looking down at, um, at action, you couldn't interact with it. And it was just, the, the problem was more, uh, I mean, I, one, I loved that show. Jamie did a yeah. great job with great it. Great job and, with that, and, yeah. and most, and, and your hinge point there was there was this lantern you were carrying around and the lantern talked to you. It was a magic lantern that was talking to you. Um, and it led you from, it helped you go from space to space. But at the end, you were stationed in a, in a loft above the, the dance studio where it was and you were watching the characters do the like interact and do this dance with each other and had this this tone and there had been no music during the show so it was just it was just kind of unclear like the dismount was unclear because there was nothing to signal that it was over the lantern didn't go out a, a light pathway didn't open up 
uh, no one said, like, you know, our stories ended. It was yeah. supposed to give you this sort of wistful, like they, they kind of wanted to have just the action of the labyrinth go on and on and on. And if you have actors moving around in a space, that isn't necessarily a clear cue of like, oh, it's done now, right? You know, like yeah. you kind of have to, like, oh, they're going to do this forever, you know, and like yeah. lights, lights down. It, 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 sw- it switched into performance mode. Of course, yeah. But, but, that, but I think that still goes to what I'm saying. It's like you guys didn't know that, like, there's no off switch. You know, there's like, right. do I jump in now? Can I jump in? And even for a show that is that you know that you can jump up, at different points it's like is this the point where you know is is this the is this the the branch you know is this the branch right here or is this the branch here or is this the branch here or is this like a set scene yeah and i mean i can yeah. i think of back to my larping days like before even you know i think before your larping days uh just by like a year when we were doing a vampire larp in the east bay and we were we were doing them at uh, folks's houses so we would like rotate from like high school students house to high school students house and we would do cut scenes and for some yeah. of the cut scenes we would choreograph action sequences with our friends who were taking martial arts stage combat and capoeira and so they were they were fun cool action sequences that teenagers were doing with each other it was rad and dangerous but we were teenagers so that was our excuse and we thought that it was pretty clear that if two dudes start going and doing capoeira at each other at full speed, that that would be a sign to not interfere. But people would try to interpose themselves. Like one time a dude, a cat named Adam Costello, shout out Adam, uh, probably doesn't listen, but some folks listening know him, uh, decided to jump into the middle of a sequence between uh, Chris Pilon and this other dude who were doing capoeira. And afterwards... We, you know, in our, in our after action, because we had after action every time, I was like, what were you thinking? And he was like, well, my character, you know, wouldn't let this happen. And it's like, yeah, but you could have gotten kicked in the face. Like, they were doing choreography. Like, why would you assume you had agency in that moment? Uh, but, you know, we were just... We were, you know, we were teenagers at the time, you know? Like, that was our excuse for, like, not realizing that people... Um, you know, did the thing. Um, and I think that's, that gets back to that UI thing, right? Like if you tell people, well, if you don't, if you don't show people how the control system works when they walk in, you're, you're kind of liable to find that people just do whatever. They just react naturally. They, they run off their motivation. Um, I have a question, Noah. Yes, Catherine. So, how many shows have you been to where something terrible has happened and then one of the characters goes very quietly, I think you all should leave now. Was something ter- <laughs> what did you say where something terrible happens? This happens to me all the time. Like the so end of the immersive show is like... Yeah. I, I don't have a definitive count, but like there's there's a lot. There, there's a lot. There's a lot where it's like, you know here's here's like the big set piece right i'm thinking right now uh and maybe maybe check in on this one like um kevin i know you did anthony did you do the vow did you do the the middle part of the speakeasy society no no okay okay so kevin kevin did so Mm -hmm. um which which version of of the of the ending were you you, i I guess i saw like a, a test of that too i think they modified a little bit like did that feel like you were just hustled out after like the big climactic moment? How did that work for you? 
Um, that one felt like it had more. I don't remember recall that it like didn't have an ending, so it felt like it was one of those kinds of they usher you out, but it did feel like it. It was a clear end to the show. I know some other ones, even kind of going back to Captivate, it like it kind of like it. It had one of those like, oh, something happened. Now you just need to leave right away. Or even going all the way back to to tension. I like detention experience kind of ends in a sim on a similar note. Like it just kind of like it ends, and it's like they kind of shuffle you out. But it's like because you've had opportunity to interact, you kind of like people always wanted to like try and like save people or interfere or go back. And I think the vow didn't have that problem. I think other shows have definitely kind of run into that issue where it's like, where is this over? Can I go back? Where yeah. does the interaction stop? Where does the show end? Yeah. Particularly I think when you're, you're trying to hustle people out in a group, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's the, that's the biggest, I mean, particularly when, when you, when you have the more agency you're giving folks, like the more you're inviting people to not accept the ending, you know, like mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I, that just, I think that ties back into some of the other stuff too, where it's like, kind of, can you, can you interact more? Can you LARP more? And I think it's like, or can, does the show have like a clear structure and, and an ending? And I think that kind of plays into it too. Cause I think something like, then she fell has like a really definitive ending and it leads you out. It's kind of like grace note and other shows kind of like fizzling. It like kind of, it's not necessarily bad, but it feels weird kind of in like, not having that like definitive stopping point that really kind of puts a button on a show. I think it's a lot of things people probably struggle with is trying to figure out how to end it and like dismount. So let me, let me... But at the same time, um, if it's like a one-on-one show and that character like leads you back or it's like Marley who welcomes you into chained and takes you out of chained Evan who takes you into whatever um, Kendall house is doing. And he's also the one that leads you out. Like, you have tons of agency, right? And mm-hmm. you're just kind of in the dialogue with another character and they can always like, I don't know, from my experience, it seems like when it is just you and the performer and you've had a ton of agency and it just like the conversation comes to a natural close or the story mm-hmm. comes to a natural end and then they can just kind of gracefully leave you out and it's it's fine then. But if it's like a small group of people, that's I guess what you're saying is like, that's when you run into trouble. Yeah, or, or, or if you have like a big emotional moment that has a button on it, but it's you know it's not clear that the lights have come up. I mean, even even in a in another room, you know, Mach Two had that at the end. You know, it's like they, the guys had to come around and be like, okay, that's the end of the show. It's like, oh, oh all right, um, you know, because you're you're in the moment, and I, I think when you're in the moment, sometimes it just gets hard to know that the moment's over. That I think there's two points there. One that you just made about when you're in the moment, sometimes it's hard to know that the moment's over. And part of that's because maybe the moment isn't over for you. Right. But like, but it's over for the character and there's a little bit of like scenario design there and a little bit of performance kind of going hand in hand to kind of make it really clear. Like if, if that, if that can be translated across the transom as it were. And then the other thing, the thing about being let up by Marley or being let up by Evan you know, there's, there's something to when it's, when it is one-on-one, when there's that relationship and when there's kind of an, an acknowledgement of the agency of the character. I think one thing I see, I think sometimes so much emphasis is put on the agency of the audience that the agency of the characters, um, is sort of erased. And I think that's both structurally and maybe even from like kind of thematic and content side, a, a dangerous thing to do to go erasing 
the agency of the people who have really the most at stake. You know, we're often visitors to their worlds and they live in them. And yet if you're able to, if you're able to connect into those characters and connect into their wants and needs and desires and their sense of agency, I feel like that's often more grounding for, like I think of say, then she fell and, you know, uh, you know, definitely we're cast in the role of visitors to that world. I ground very much into what those characters, you know, want to need. Like uh, I get, I feel, find myself in my interactions with them as opposed to, in some thing that I'm trying to pursue in something that's got a higher agency that's more LARPy. It's usually a matter of, well, what am, how am I trying to affect the world? And I, I imagine that there's a synthesis point here and I haven't seen too many people play with it where you go ahead and, and let, let the participants have high agency, but keep those characters with high agency too. And kind of let them come into conflict. Um, I don't know. Hmm. So I just did something at Wilderness that was more of a workshop, hmm. but um, the, so, so you only meet two characters. One character is a doctor explaining that they've just uh, basically thrown away their old AI and they need help training the new AI and the new AI needs to talk to you, the participant to learn um, what is love, what is loss what does sadness, what does grief feel like? Why do people become angry? And at least in my experience, it felt like the AI was, or the performer, I guess, who was embodying the AI was kind of pushing on me and pressuring me in certain ways and maybe wanted to lead me down one direction or not. So that is one example. Um, I think they're probably going to bring it back sometime later this year. Um, that was Alyssa Kim and Victor Karina of Dream Lab. Uh, that felt like I had tons and tons of agency and that it was potentially a character that I could be in conflict with. And then at the end, there's like this big decision point that the participant gets to make. So then it felt like a little bit more fair. I don't know if that's um, relevant to like what you were just describing. I mean, yeah, I think, I think, you know, fair enters into it, like not railroading people. Um, I find it interesting you emphasized in conflict with, right? Like you really hit with. And I think that for me is a critical thing, right? Like once, once we've got audience agency going, we're in the act of co-creation and you know, how well are the systems set up to allow the audience to co-create, you know, what, what sort of tools do we have that let us really see um, that world and affect that world. Um, I, I'm thinking, like you know, just in terms of like like 3D creation tools, like Tilt Brush or Oculus Medium, and you know, you got to learn how the palette works, you know, before you can start creating. And I mean, sort of everything comes back to me to this sort of UI question, you know, like how quickly can you orient someone? You know, how quickly can you make it clear to folks, oh, yeah, you know, your hands are going to work just fine in here um, or you can't jump or, you know, if you say something to someone, they just can't hear you. Um, oh, oh, my gosh, Noah, 
You're basically describing the onboarding of wolves in the walls. Like, literally, that's what you just did. Yeah. Like, it's... you don't have hands until she draws them. You're the imaginary friend, so no other character can acknowledge you. Yeah. No, seriously. And there's something and there's something to that, right? And and remember that studio's goal, like what what Fable is obsessed with is creating virtual beings, right? And so right now they've, you know, Pete and and Edward and everyone has decided that in order to create a convincing virtual being, they need to gently demonstrate to you how you can interact with that being. Um yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing too smaller minor. Um, hey, we we brought up like what's not or like a kind of a you know how many times is that sort of you know weird ending happen? What's been what's been on the radar of late that's really worked for everybody? This is like the two hundredth episode, and I kind of want to kind of want to look forward and and, and kind of like immediately back at what what are we excited about? What's what's keeping us going? Uh oh, no one's jumping in. <laughs> we are all being polite. That's a bad sign. All right. Uh, well, Jessica just came back on online because uh, Jessica was out for a second. So, and and y- y- I don't know if you get as much stuff up in Portland. So, what was the last thing you did in this realm that got you going? That really got me going. Oh man, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. I oh, mean, yeah. Laura Hall's doing great work up here, and she's a friend of the show and all that good stuff. You know, Wanmaker's House is really cool. Um, and I think sort of I – I, I, I hesitate to say there's like a Darth of immersive stuff up here because everybody here is experimenting uh, with theater and things like that. But, um, you know, I think Laura and co. are kind of really throwing themselves into immersive theater as we know it. Um and sort of towing that line. Uh, and yeah, I think what really, what's really keeping me going right now is sort of getting on the production side of things myself. So, you know, that's, that's the important stuff, I suppose, for me right now. I'll, I'll give mine and then I'll let everyone uh, take a moment to think about it. So like maybe we'll hit Catherine and then Anthony and then Kevin, uh, and I might be stealing maybe part of Kevin's, uh, dandelions, which we just had in LA, um, that, that recharged me. It was, it was a particularly bad week, um, in, in a series of particularly bad weeks and just how simple the idea was. Uh, I mean, one, they, they completely, you know, had an amazing hookup when it came to getting to produce a piece of work on an active electrical substation uh, in a building that was no longer active. So they could like get away with like, well, no one's going to get electrocuted in here. If they run five feet that way, they will. Um, And then just converting parts of that building. So they were bringing the indoors, uh, the outdoors in, I suppose the indoors out. I was about to say the wrong way. And just taking like the simplest of things, wishing on a dandelion and extrapolating it into a process. So just this this sort of effect of time dilation and filling in a mythology into the simplest of interactions was just wonderful. And then it was just all about attention to detail um, and making sure that each moment um, 
was crafted kind of had had this had a point of view about the world and kind of how kind of how dumb the world is in a real way but then unleashed itself into this these moments of visual beauty and kind of you know a meditative place and then even uh, and on the way back down from it still had these moments of acknowledging kind of you know this bureaucratic kafkaesque satire of the process even towards the end uh but then had this beautiful button where there was just this like really enthusiastic small woman who was brushing you off of any stray dandelion seeds before you entered back into the world and it was just this this moment of pop brightness that was unexpected um and kind of put an emotional button and i think that also speaks to something we were just talking about like like you you know it's over you know what gift you've been given uh and what tone you want to go out into the world in as opposed to someone just being like oh i guess it's time for you to go right uh so that was mine that sounds okay um gosh uh well as you all probably know um Tribeca Film Festival's virtual arcade and storyscapes wrapped up, gosh, like a little over two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. So that had a lot of really interesting work. And it's funny, looking back at my favorite pieces there and even pieces that I didn't love, they spent a lot of time in the onboarding and the dismount, um, particularly in the 40-minute two-person piece, The Collider, where you're given like a table and some chairs and a menu of prompt questions if you have trouble speaking and they just let you hang out with the other participant to kind of rehash and like go over what was going on so that was really lovely the collider um, which was done by anagram um oh lance weiler's where there's smoke which is coming to los angeles and to build off of your point noah um you know in his interview for our podcast he described this iot magical table and magical objects these enchanted things from his childhood as the interface to his father who has now passed so i think that kind of lines up really neatly in terms of um things that look escape room e but have a clear ui for someone to interact with um similarly with war remains which was the big madison wells immersive Dan Carlin hardcore history piece, free roaming VR. And really what you did was just like from a logistical standpoint, you're just walking around and there's fans and the floor vibrating and you're holding onto rails and baskets and you're just kind of like absorbing being in that place. But um, it was a really, really powerful uh, experience. Um, also, I think I mentioned earlier the show Impression. Um, that was the one-on-one -on -one interaction with the artificial intelligence that was at Wilderness. That was a workshop, and they're going to be coming back, I think, later on this year. Um, and I hope you check out Jessica Chaos Theory, which is a TED Talk gone off the rails. She plays uh, Dr. Sayok. And it's about how the personal and professional kind of collide and how there's science embedded in all of our lives and um, really challenges the audience to 
participate and do weird things and scary things. And it also has a, a lot of humor embedded in it. So that's really fun. She's still doing her, I believe, one night a month residence at Caveat here in New York City. She's got uh, shows coming up in May and June. Um, and then I just received word from Ian and Austin at Broken Ghost that uh, the bunker has been extended. So they're going to be running, I think, until the end of July. And they're Yay. rerunning the Rogues Gallery. And uh, I think this is at the point where we have to actually re-review it because the show has, the experience has changed it so much from Ed's review of version one. Um, and I guess to go back to Jessica's point and to Anthony's point about giving you space to play, uh, if you get there a little early, at least in my experience, um, I ended up putting on a superhero mask and a superhero Kate. A cape and then uh blake and i ended up um kind of playing around with like some face paint crayons and there's a little bit of like idle time before the show actually starts but you're given a superhero character and what your superpower is um in terms of like maybe you can steal someone else's object or you can get additional resources during the game but it does really kind of set that mode of giving you a little bit of space to play a little bit of time to get into the mindset for 15, 20 minutes before the show actually starts. And it's literally plastic capes, foam masks, and like face. Which I didn't realize I still had on when I got. <laughs> Wait, did you like travel on the subway with the face paint on? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, cool. I had um I had ones and zeros on my face because I was a hacker named Cyber Punch. So I yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's my favorite stuff. All that leftover pocket lint from coming out of an experience. Oh. <laughs> I I I I like it when it's it feels organic. There was there was a there was one company here uh, that started to almost like it felt like they 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 thought that that was the point, right? Like they were just gonna overload you with tchotchkes at a certain point. Um, where like every show there was a thing and there was a bunch of it and it just sort of, it felt, it felt rote pretty, pretty quickly. Um, you know, it stopped, uh, stopped feeling like it was something magical and started feeling like it was like, Oh, here's a checkbox. What are we going to give them this time? Um, as opposed to, Oh, here's some ephemera that, you know, makes the world work. You know, it should feel, it should feel like you escaped with it. Not that you, unless it's like the program, um, Kevin, what, what's been, uh, what's worked for you? Yeah. So I'm going back a, a little bit here, but, um, Catabasis from four larks at the, at the Getty is one that I, I'm still thinking about like four months later. It was just like, it wasn't necessarily immersive. It was just like, they had such a clear vision for what they wanted that show to be. And especially coming back from like, it had its like built in strain of the world because the fires canceled the initial run of the show and they had to remount it. And they weren't even sure they were going to get that. So just kind of, and I was dealing with these mystery rites of ancient Greece and the dead. And so it was all this like kind of blending together. It's really like beautiful, interesting, cool show on its own. And then I think they just have like such an understanding of what they wanted it to be that it worked so well for me. And it's like, it's still kind of like it bangs around in my head four months later. Um, and then even, so this was a couple of months ago, but um, Escape from Godot was one of those ones. It was like mm. this madcap, like escape room theater, immersive theater 
hybrid thing that that worked so well and it seems like it shouldn't have worked at all and it's just this like impressive piece of theater that that worked within the realm of um waiting for godot and brought it all the way back yeah both of those pieces Um, are so strong yeah and it's like again like i've I've seen other things that have been like interesting or strong but those are the ones that really kind of stuck with me this year um I think LA, like I want to live in your mouth is kind of this cool little show that has like this very much, it's not from creep, but it has like a, that very much kind of creep vibe. And it's like kind of this eighties kind of like kids horror movie. That's really cool. And it's got this, this, some like production value and sense of like scale that I think a lot of shows don't have either. Um, and kind of understanding how like set the world and like having, having probably the budget to actually do that, which it, it does make a difference in shows. Yeah, and there's a lot. And there's a lot of skill that's going into building that the, that series of sets because mm-hmm. um, it's not a it's not a big show, but it's got the, the moments feel dense, right? Yeah, um, yeah. No, Catabasis, like, oh wow, like uh, I saw it on the preview night, uh, the night the fire started, and so there was this moment that felt like it was indeed blessed slash ordained by the gods like right towards the finale you're sort of invited to enter into a certain part of the underworld and there's these very long flowing um you know they're they're i don't know what to call them like beard slash robe thing yeah they're robes yeah they're robes that are that are really just like they're they're part of the set but because of the way the characters are arranged Mm -hmm. they are part of their costume and they're like all it's it's towards the climax of the show they invite you to come in and what happened when on that night when they invited us to come in the santa annas blew those robes open like out towards us so it was almost like this this maw of you know the inner part of hades was opening up for us and it was perfectly timed almost like the the they sang the song you know like inter or whatever almost on the vibrato it was opening up and it's like how did they do that well they did that because a large part of los angeles was burning to the ground at the time um and you know like sometimes there's moments of beauty that are born out of moments of horror uh and that was that was one of them irl which is like you know no agency on the part of the audience save for the physical agency of just walking around and like you determine what angle you're watching things from kind of a lot like in sleep no more. Uh, but just you, you, you feel like you're visiting another world, uh, the world of that show. And definitely one of, one of the best pieces, uh, I've, I've seen. And I think, I think there's, there's not enough just solid, you know, site adaptive or site specific mm-hmm. processional work. Um, and it's, it, it too is difficult to pull off, but particularly if you want to, I mean, if you think about it, like sleep no more is very much more in line with that than it is with something like captivated or theater macabre, where you have like a lot of agency and you can, you can just get a lot more people through. If you're, if you're, if you're worried about turnstiles, like almost like that's the thing to look to. Right. It yeah, is. that one they they fit a lot of people in, but it never feels crowded. I mean, they're dealing with with the Getty Villa, which is is huge, obviously, and allows them that space and to spread out and kind of just let people look from different vantage points. But yeah, it's like I don't. Some of that's probably space, and some of it's just kind of understanding what your show is and like how it can work. Yeah, and they had such a firm grasp on that that I think people 
may not necessarily have all the time. No, and that's and, that, and they and what was fascinating to me though is like you know bits and pieces of that. I mean, they they've been they've been in that genre for a long time. Uh, in they've been in like multiple versions, multiple parts of that genre where like you know they're about the folk opera. They're they they're all about adapting like you know Greek poems into songs. You know they do a lot of that. They do a lot of movement work. You know these these are not unfamiliar places for them. The actual you know, rehearsal period in space for that show was only a few weeks long. They they prepared essentially for years uh, doing various pieces to get to that point. But mm-hmm. the actual production of that show was a lot shorter than I thought it might have been, um, which, you know, just goes just goes to show like building on things. What are the neighbors doing now? Um, a lot of noises around the building today. It's been driving me nuts. Anthony what's what's you've been you've been your life has been as chaotic as mine but what was the last yeah. thing that kind of uh kind of got you um, going there's been a couple of things um like one of the one of the big things was um uh more recently was um psych ward um that we did uh that actually that actually geared me up for a lot of like I, I, because that experience is not a um psych ward here in la which is run by um uh, Crossroads Escape um, is not it's not an escape room <laughs> you know it's, it's it is a immersive interactive experience in uh, like in in a way that I I don't even have words for um, and that thing really charged me up like I had so much fun that night um, you know in our in our little hospital gowns running like a lab rat in you know all these little uh, technical experiences um and uh i'm actually trying i'm slowly trying to arrange those of you guys who know i was i did survivor season 14 uh we all we're a weird group of people who like to be really competitive and there's a bunch of us really uh, oh yeah funny that huh um uh there's a bunch of um a bunch of survivors who are very much escape room nuts um, and I'm trying to get a bunch of them together to go down, uh, just do a whole night where we just go down to psych ward and see if we can get a bunch of us through because the nature of that particular experience is competitive and cooperative, just like survivor. So I want to see what, what happens when you put a bunch of these people who are so used to doing escape rooms in a, basically in a survivor situation with escape room elements, um, to see what, if their minds explode. Um, so that was one thing that that's had me fired up for a while. Uh, uh, another thing that uh, those of you guys who've who've spent any time talking to me, uh, I'm uh, been into these some of these uh, I don't know foam sit simulators. What, what do you want to call them? Like they're not escape rooms; they're interactive experiences. Uh, kind of like they're, they're video games, but they basically happen through a simulated phone. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, what do you mean? They're, they're similar, I know what like, you're talking about. Like, yeah. Like so you're maybe, called? Are these? Are they the Alexa escape room games? No, what, what is this? no. They're, they're, well, um, the the one uh, there's a series that's called Simulacra, in particular. Um, basically, they're they're like um, they're like escape rooms in that that you have to you know you have to figure out puzzles and you have to puzzle through these things. But there's a plot, and depending on um, and depending on your interaction with some of these characters, because it's it basically gives you a phone like. Um, GUI. It gives you like, you know, like it's a fake like iPhone inter- interface. 
and you have to you know sort through emails and and basically hack uh, different people's uh, uh, you know social media, and you have to read what's going on, and you can going in, through other people's stuff. Yeah, going through other people's stuff is fun. Um, and the cool thing is that like the way that these games are designed, these particular series, um, you can text characters, and they answer back, and it gives you you know it gives you like a little little tree of what, what you can what you can message them, but like they answer back, and depending on what your answer is, you get a different ending, and, um, and you get different responses, and they've been actually really fun. Um, I've been working my way through a bunch of a couple of these, and uh, uh, to try and get all the different all the different all the myriad ways. So. Uh, um, that, those have been kind of neat just from a design point uh, that I've, I've been into. Um, and uh, so that, those are, those are a couple of the things I've, I've uh, been enjoying. Uh, and then more recently um, I've, uh, cause my wife and I, because of uh, you know, because of our lives right now, it's been a lot easier for us to stay at home and do things. So we've slowly been getting into some of the, uh, like I've been into like some of the, the mail-in uh, you know, like the home, immersives if, if you would um you know like some of the, the mail-in uh interactive uh type things and uh we recently did one from uh uh from the mysterious package company uh called the weeping the weeping book and uh made for a really great week of my wife and i sitting around and reading through and puzzling through this thing and uh let me tell you about my wife my wife loves horror movies and this particular experience is a horror experience and she has a thing when we go to the movies that if it's really scary, her feet come off the floor. So she ends up sitting Indian style in the chair if uh, you know, cross-legged if, uh, if it's really scary. And there was one point we were reading through this thing and uh, my wife's feet came up on the couch. I looked over at her and I'm like, are, are you having fun? She's like, yes. I'm like, you scared? She's like, no. I'm like, why are your feet off the floor? She's like, oh. So um, so that one got me juiced for for what's going to eventually hopefully be a series of articles um, about some of these uh, stay-at-home mailing date night things. Uh, so I'm actually really excited about those, and we're going to be doing some more because we've already started budgeting for them. So, Well, that's good. Well, and we we got we to gotta figure out something there, like um, particularly if you're going to be writing about them. But I also think, like, just in general, like, I kind of I, I kind of want to get us more in a rhythm. You know, we've done – this is the 200th episode of the show and something I was talking about before we started recording, you know, I want to get us all kind of more into rhythms of just, you know, talking about this stuff. Like the, the interviews are great. Uh, I have no intention of stopping those, but there's, there's something about bringing everybody together to reflect and talk and kind of examine and look at, at, you know, what we've been experiencing and playing and, and seeing and, you know, where it's, where we hope it would go next, which I think is just, you know, I don't, I don't want to oversell and say valuable. I think it's just fun to do. Right. You know, um, <laughs> um, we just, we just need to, we need to do this more often. So, all right. We've been at this for an hour. Speaking of which, um, and, uh, it feels like a, kind of a, a good place to wrap up for this time. But before we do that, is there anything, What's everyone um, right on the horizon looking forward to? 
Um, and if we want, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off just cause I dropped this on everyone right now. Right. You know, I swear to God, next time we do movies, I'll give you guys show notes ahead of time so that we know where we're headed. <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, I'm going to be at overlook in like two weeks, uh, barring a disaster and the way my luck is going, eh, maybe it'll be a disaster. Uh, but I, what knock on some wood. Yeah. Like there we go. Oh Literally gosh. knocking on wood. The table is wood. Thank goodness. Um, uh, you know, the the they do the uh, weekend long game, and the game is being directed by the folks who do it in another room, and written by the folks who did, uh, uh, what was that? Uh, Amos the 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 the, the musical the, the, thing, like the, yeah, EDM musical, yeah, the EDM yeah. musical, and um, and it's being uh, and the puzzles are being designed by our friend Tommy Haunton. And it's in New Orleans. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, and it's gonna be dope. Yeah, and while I'm there, I'm gonna be staying at uh, Nostalgia Purgatory, which is uh, an Airbnb that's been set up, uh, designed by uh, by Winthorn. Um, and there, it's a story Airbnb. So this is gonna be interesting. Like where I am staying is literally an immersive experience. Um, and I know this is sort of something that's stirring. There's, there's big companies that are looking at doing this sort of stuff. This is a, an indie version of that. And there's just a bunch of stuff in, uh, in New Orleans these days. In fact, uh, there's an article, um, the, the full version of which, uh, Brianna wrote, like put out on her own, like medium sub, uh, cause it was about, about a 3000 word article. And we still, Kevin and I, it's, we're overdue for wrangling it into something that's kind of like a, a, a top 10 list. I kind of want to like edit that before I go. Um, uh, so that there's also that as an anchor to help guide me through New Orleans, but also then kind <laughs> of like something on the back end. Um, and so looking forward to that. And then, um, I might have I might have uh, pre-ordered a quest. Uh, I might have taken Amazon up on a on an offer for a credit card that I shouldn't have, and and <laughs> pre-ordered a quest with the intent of like you know paying it off while, while there's still like the grace period because the interest rate is really bad. Um, but I feel like we kind of need one here for what's coming next. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, Catherine. What's what's next on your agenda? So wait, are you going to be able to go to like Escape My Room and like Thirteenth Gate while you're down there, I even will, though Thirteenth Gate is in Baton Rouge? I will not be able to go to Thirteenth Gate because I will not have oh. a car. Um, there's a chance I may take a contract with um, with with a with a job that may return me uh, to New Orleans before the year is out. Uh, however, that would be for an event that I'm probably like almost completely dedicated to being at the event. Uh, so I don't think 13th gate, I just, I don't think that's in the future, but if things go the way I really like, it wasn't too expensive to fly there and I do have the hookup at purgatory. So I might be able to wrangle, um, making a trip to like pick up the things. But I think that escape my room is actually one of the, like they're doing something with them for overlook. So I, th- I think I'm going to get to check that out. So it's one of the escape room companies there. And I think that's the one that I'm going to get to check out a thing that they're developing, uh, that they're rolling out initially at overlook. Awesome. I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I also got the quest and 
at some point, right, Tender Claus is going to have to tell us when the under is coming because they keep hinting at it on social media, right? <laughs> yeah, I, uh. I mean, I can't say anything because, like, full disclosure, like, I just took a short contract to help them with something on it. Uh, so uh, I'm uh, consulting <clears throat> on it. Whoa. So, um, <laughs> we, so... I so we'll won't. Later. Yeah, but like I'll I'll tell you. You know, I probably can't even tell you stuff offline. But like, because I'm I'm under NDA. But will um you know I will not be doing the review of the under, um and I'm increasingly interested. Like what it, what I know, what I've seen, and and what I know what the plans are. Like I'm really 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 curious as to how this rolls out, um and. I mean the the contract the contract has no like incentives for success on the back end or anything like that so like it's like I do the thing and then you know I'm I'm done with it um but you know I'll be a little emotionally invested in this this being a success so you know here's here's the official I am recused from reviewing it uh statement to the world Oh wow um so I think this summer I'm finally, finally getting a chance to try Stash House yes. by our friend Tommy Hahn. Um, and then my other goal this summer is to finally make it to Meow Wolf, which hey. I've never been. Same. I think, yeah. Same here, same here. Jessica, you've been. Noah, you've been. Kevin, have you been? I have not been. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and you guys, we, we forgot about uh, our field trip. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's. We'll 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 be back together again before okay. we do we right. do the field trip. We need like inevitably. Or wait, there's there's field trip one, which is later in the fall. I right. guess this is technically field trip two, which is when we somehow all go to Galaxy's Edge together. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's, that's going to be my answer. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, same same. No one already knows. No one yeah. already knows me. Yeah. So. Could be, could be real I, I believe Anthony and I might be making a break for it at a certain point uh, yeah. as our initial run. Uh, but that might also be tied to somebody's birthday. Uh, so, um, and then, <clears throat> yes. um, you know, there'll be, there'll be more than one visit. Like, it's so expensive. <laughs> like, I mean, walked away with a day job. I'm like, God, there's, but they, they just released a new pass that's like, yeah, don't do it, dude. Don't do it. Don't, don't, I don't. Just, I don't know. I gotta look at the math. I gotta look at the math. Straight remember up. Remember when the Southern California discount was like a like that season pass with the blackout dates? It's like twenty it's like five dollars now. Like like yeah, the discount is like it's like there's there's there, it's like the blackouts are so like incredible. Like you basically just don't go to the summer. That's a, Look, I remember when tickets were like fifty dollars. So, like, yeah, yeah. I sell my ticket books. I still have ticket books back at home. So, wow. yeah. I mean, Let me tell you, about, my mom would scam more. them too. Uh, we would give all of my cousins our old library cards, and then they would pretend that they lived in California. Nice, clever. Yeah, God, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, okay, <laughs> so yes, field field trip at some point. Uh, Anthony, what do you what do you got? We're gonna go Anthony um, and then uh, Jessica and then Kevin. Oh, good lord! I um my my big thing like just like uh, uh the summer I am uh, the first first and foremost, dude. I am looking forward to knots because um, knots is bringing back um 
Gutsberry Farm is bringing back uh, Ghost Time Alive, which you know those of you guys who check the site know that I'm like Ken over here is in love with. Um, so they're coming back for another season starting uh, in a couple of weeks, actually. So hopefully get out there. Um, Galaxy's Edge, like we all are talking about, because um, God knows, I, I that's like I'm making costuming because when I go, I'm going to be one of those weirdos who shows up in, in the uh, Disney bound Star Wars theme thing. Um, but uh, those are two main things on my list. Uh, trying to with family get out to visit the Owl Wolf. We're working on doing that because um, I, like you say, I haven't been either. Um, and the big goal this summer for me is to make it out to New York City so I can go on my own um, New York immersive tour. Um, so that's that's the goal that I, I uh, am working with the wife to make happen. And uh, God help the planet, you guys will be sick of me because I'll be like, hey, I just saw it. And you're like, yes, we know we saw it like 12 years ago. Um, so, um, but it doesn't matter. You're, it's yeah, yeah. your first time like walking into some of these. Like, it's always good to hear it from that fresh perspective. By the way, buy your Then She Fell tickets negative two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, trust me. I <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, say something funny. So, because um, you guys have all been telling me about the show, and I'm looking forward to going to see it. I'm going to try and make sure I have tickets to go see that. And um, uh, I'll be checking out as much as I can while I'm there. I can make it hope so uh, uh expect a full you know new york version report later on this summer all right jessica yeah um i think my primary answer was gonna be galaxy's edge sort of i don't i wasn't sure if i wanted to like get in while it was still a big old cluster or if i wanted to like pass that by and just sort of come in a little later I'm just sort of hyped for it in general. Like I'm right with you there. I'm making a costume and going to go in and try to be as immersed as I can be and play along and everything. Um, also secret cinema is hyping up their next experience and they're doing all these teasers online, which I am excitedly reading. And the popular opinion right now is that they're setting up a Terminator experience, but I have no idea how that would work. But then again, that's what I think about every single thing they do. Oh, wow. So yeah. come with me if you awesome. want to live. Yeah, exactly. I, I could I could see it like you're running around like, you know, 1984 Los Angeles, just oh, race, racing race like a version of that, like racing from spot to spot. And then like just the Terminator arrives and like all chaos breaks loose and you just have a bunch of stunt right? stuff happening. Yeah. Some of the roles are the Terminator. I mean, a lot of their yeah. stuff has been focusing on Los Angeles lately. Like they did Romeo and Juliet, they did Blade Runner. But anyway, uh, that's really cool. Um, Albert, uh, another friend of the show, uh, old um, San Francisco editor, Albert Kong is doing a bunch of stuff at Mount Cass down in um, Corvallis, which I'm hyped about. Some play tests for things that I don't know if I can talk about, but a lot of good stuff there. Great. I'm glad to know that he's iterating on stuff. Um, there's, there's, it feels like there's starting to be a critical mass between folks who've moved up there and folks who've been there for a while and maybe to some degree with like a little bit of XOXO action, uh, uh, some critical mass around getting immersive stuff going on in Portland. So I know I just had like a conversation with Jessica outlaw the other day and, you know, Laura has been doing stuff for a while and there are some theater companies that have been, been playing it for a bit. So Hopefully, uh, we'll see. It's exciting times. Yeah, 
Yeah. Kevin, bring it home. Um, yeah. So I think first up is, is the portal Kansas collections chapter 10. They're finally closing it out. I'm really interested to see how that sticks the landing. If it can stick the landing, it's such like a, especially I think with like game of Thrones in the, in the zeitgeist right now, it's kind of like how, how well do people end their shows? And it's, I think it's one of those things that's extremely hard to do. It's got to tie up so many threads. So I'm really looking forward to what they've got in store. Um, I'm hoping it's good. It seems like it should be good. They're good yeah. at what they do. And then we've got Fringe Fest coming up here in LA, um, which is all the shows. Uh, there's a lot going on there. I think like the pod is the one I'm, I'm most interested in. I've kind of liked what they put down before. Um, it's kind of team behind Safe House. And um, I'm blanking on the circus one, the sideshow. Yeah. Um, and so I'm interested to see kind of what that one got coming. And then, yeah, Galaxy's Edge. I've actually got tickets for when it's doing like the reservation system, so I'm interested to see how that works. Whether it kind of dilutes the the crowds a little bit, lets you actually like, play in the world a little bit more. Yeah, I'm really I'm really curious. About that one. I I wish I wish I had gotten a reservation and then like ability to like return with the crowds. So, but I think Anthony and I are going to go on um, early early in the cycle when it's crowd time. So yeah, I think we're yeah, I think we're not that far apart either. So we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll good to kind of hash that out. Definitely, you know, maybe dedicated stream that week to talking about Galaxy's Edge. There, I just said it. We're gonna do that. We will between nice now. Yeah, between now and like that's like a month from now, we will figure out how we want to live stream stuff, and we'll do a live stream talking about Galaxy's Edge once Anthony and I have gone through. All right, there you go. There's your promises. Okay, uh, we've been at this for about an hour and ten to an hour and fifteen minutes, depending on how long it takes to edit that one bit when the technology failed us. Yes, there was an edit. Um, and yeah, I just want to thank all of you for um, indulging uh, this and uh, for particularly because like, I think everyone, almost everyone here has been like involved to some degree uh, from for on the site for like most of the last hundred episodes. So um, thank you all. Uh, this was episode 200. Uh, who to thunk it? Right. Magical. Exactly. Amazing. Glorious. All right. Cool. <laughs> and until next time, we'll see you at the show. Wait, I should do the credits. I'll, I'll do the credits. <laughs> I'll do the credits in a bump afterwards. I can't just like do that. Yeah, this is a fail. What about the money part? You forgot to ask for the money. Uh, yeah, I'll do I'll do that afterwards. All right. So everybody, I'm going to leave this part in. Like, you know. Demone, demone. Uh Patreon.com slash no presidium. Uh, particularly because, uh, you know, you know, uh, freelancing, doing this. Um, let's make this, we just want to make this a real thing. Anyway, let's. We'll Rupert's do the Chrome. Gotta eat. Yeah, we'll get do some the, cat food for him. Yeah. Oh, there's well, there's that. Oh, well, and you know, Disneyland tickets. We don't get them comped, so uh, they, yeah. those are expensive. All right. Um, you're all going to go have fun. It's like, oh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go be part of the discourse is what we're doing. All right. Uh, the discourse via Discord. All right. Now the 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 music and then the the cold ending thing. Once again, I want to thank the team for being on the show. We usually have guests, but um, it's just it was just us this time, so I don't 
I don't actually know what I'm supposed to say at this part. Hey, uh, it's been us talking for a while, so we're just going to wrap this up as soon as humanly possible. Um, we're going to keep on experimenting with uh, Discord <clears throat> in a lot of ways, actually. Um, we're starting to try to use it internally uh, for our organization. Uh, the Slack isn't going anywhere. Don't worry about that. Uh, in fact, there's there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes across the board. And um, in fact, so much so that like I'm at my breaking point half the time. Um, but we're 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 pushing forward in in a really solid way. So don't well do worry about us, but don't worry about us. Worry about us. You know we're gonna be fine. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to being in uh, New Orleans for Overlook, uh, catching the shows there, doing some writing, and just being able to kind of like get away from everything else and just focus on the work. Um, for a little bit. I know that sounds insane. It's like, I just, just want to get away from everything and focus on work because um, that's who I am deep down inside. Um, all right. Um, let's do the, the closing credits because that's uh, the part of the show that we are in now with the closing credits. So as we bear with us here, oh, hey, oh, where's the thing? Here we go. The music for No Persinium. All, all these episodes, uh, almost, I think we, we haven't had a theme song this entire time, but nearly, nearly 200 episodes. It's by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Shout out to Chris, uh, whose own uh, work uh, over uh, with the portal, uh, with the Kansas collection, is coming to a head this week. So 10 chapters coming to a conclusion uh, starting this weekend. So that's a big deal. Uh, so shout out to Chris Porter uh, for doing the music. Shout out to the backers. Uh, sustaining backers, Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurstan, Sam Kinkin, and Samuel Mustry. Um, you can always find us at nopersinium.com. Uh, Kevin has been working on a massive oral history of uh, the Kansas collection, so hopefully to get that out this week. It's big which means it takes a lot of time to edit. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we, there'll be coverage from Overlook coming from me. We've got some great New Orleans coverage uh, that we already have in the can uh, from uh, with the help of uh, Brianna Rokes, uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, bringing some of that to the fore uh, as we do this stay here. Um, there's just a bunch of stuff to kick through, and then uh, Hollywood Fringe Festival, and that's just the stuff that's coming out of our part of the shop. Catherine, of course, is holding it down all the time uh, over in New York City. So that's all at noproscenium.com. If you've got a show you want to tell us about, please write us at pitches at noprescinium.com and to support this insane endeavor uh, because uh, it's just us now and doing things like going out to cover a film festival um, that's that's coming from us now patreon.com slash noprescinium we truly deeply appreciate it and need your support okay uh, it's been 200 episodes um, I'll, I'll, I'll have more to say about that <laughs> something other than the 200th episode because I got to go pack and I also got to do a newsletter for you. Okay. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. Okay, I'm going to stop this.